Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, my man, another podcast. How's everything going? Things are going well. They're going a lot better than they were from my reference point a few days ago. That's for sure. I, uh, I got the Noro. You know, everyone's talking about the Rona, the coronavirus, but uh, the norovirus, it's not something to mess with. And um, it snuck up on me and pretty much derailed me for, for three days. First 48 hours of that, ooh, not fun. Yeah, it did not sound fun, but I'm glad you're back. You know, we got to keep doing this podcast. And you know what allows us to keep doing this podcast, Brad? What's that, Steve? Patreon. Ah, yes. Good old Patreon. So what Steve is talking about is our Growth EQ Patreon community, which offers all sorts of neat exclusive stuff for members, including a monthly live book club where we bring in best-selling authors on a range of topics related to health, well-being, and performance, a monthly mastermind peer-to-peer group, all sorts of exclusive guides that we've put together on training resilience, achieving sustainable excellence, the foundations of health, It is an enormous value that can be yours for as little as $5 per month. And it also allows us to keep this podcast 100% independent and community supported, which means that we are not beholden to any kind of sponsorship, which is really nice. Yes. So if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash the growth equation and join us and uh, support the program and get all sorts of great things and be a part of our community. So speaking of community, today we're going to dive into a topic that is fun and takes us away from the stress of the world, which is the NBA playoffs, the NBA championships, and more so how that and what that tells us about teamwork and the importance of a team instead of just the individual. So I'll do my best to set the stage. And at the start of this year's NBA playoffs, you had um, what are colloquially referred to as a couple of these super teams, which basically gets a whole bunch of all-star players, puts them on the same team, and is expected to just dominate. And if you would look at the names of the players on some of these teams, you would expect them to dominate because, of course. So an example is the Brooklyn Nets, who had Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, arguably three of the top 10 individual players in the league. You've also got these phenomenal stars. Um, Luka Donich on Dallas can completely take over a game. The Joker, Novik Jokic on the Denver Nuggets, same sort of story, can completely take over a game. To an extent, you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of our favorite players on the Milwaukee Bucks. Even though some of his key teammates got injured, there was thinking that he's just dominant, they'll win. And what we have in the NBA Finals is a very different story. We've got two very well-rounded teams. 
that have stars, no doubt, and we'll talk about this, but they were not set up around those stars and they were not set up to depend on those stars. So in the Golden State Warriors, you've got Steph Curry, a phenomenal point guard, but not someone that is known for taking over a game and scoring 60 points and just putting the team on his shoulders. And in Boston, you've got Jason Tatum, who's a very well-rounded player, can take over a game if he needs to, but you don't generally think of Jason Tatum as you know, uh, an, an NBA super all-world all-star. In addition to those two players, what the Warriors and the Celtics both have respectively are really good, solid role players across the board. So if you're the Warriors, you've got Klay Thompson, a lights-out shooter. You've got Andre Drummond, a great defender. You've got Rooney. I always forget that cat's first name, but he's been to the finals more times than I've been alive. Uh, on the Boston Celtics, you've got... Um, uh, Marcus Smart, phenomenal on the ball, off the ball defender. Um, you've got, uh, what's the guy that looks like Mario Fraioli? Uh, Pritchard. You got Pritchard, little white dude, number 11, comes off the bench, smokes threes, lifts up the tempo of the game. You got Grant Williams, such a thorny defender. And of course, you've got Jalen Brown, who's a really physical player that can create his own shots. But none of these guys are like, you know, top 50 NBA players of all time. They're just dudes that are really good at basketball, but they play really well together as a team. And um, I think you probably have the two best teams in the NBA Finals, but what you don't have outside of maybe Steph Curry are any top 20 players. Not top 20 this year, but top 20 ever. Whereas again, you got guys like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Giannis, uh, Luka Donic. Like These guys are on another level than everyone else that's in the Finals with, again, maybe the exception of Steph Curry. But 32-year-old Steph Curry now is not 28-year-old Steph Curry that could just take over a game. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The other thing that I would add in there that I think is very interesting is how these teams were assembled, which I think plays a big role into how they're able to function so well as a team. You look at the Warriors. Curry, Thompson, Poole, Green, others, all originally drafted by the Warriors. Right. You look at the Celtics, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Williams, Pritchard, all drafted by the Celtics. So these aren't teams that, let's say, to use the foil as as the Brooklyn team that, you know, all the stars got together and said, hey, let's all come to this team so that we can get our ring and win our championship. And this has been going back, you know, years and decades Um, I remember when the Lakers did this, tried to do this originally, uh, back in the day and these super teams often look really good on paper, but they, they sometimes pull it off. But often what happens is a, is a team with a collection of individuals who might not have quote unquote, the, the same level of talent or star power or number of stars. Um, they don't pull it off. The ones, the ones, yeah, the ones who don't have the star power, they they're able to pull it off. And I think this is interesting because I think it speaks to, of course, you need great players like Curry and Tatum, but there's something magical that comes from the chemistry. And in this case, I think the first thing that we talk about is, yes, you need talent, but there's also talent in the chemistry. Why don't you define chemistry for the the non-sports folks that um, 
that are listening. I mean, my guess is most of our listeners, we can take for granted that they know what this means, but just in case. Yeah, good, good point. So chemistry is, you know, sports, it's essentially how well you work together, how well you can kind of flow together. And there's actually some interesting science on this that shows that, you know, teammates who have been been around for a long time or been around each other, they almost or they they have a better ability to essentially predict what their teammates are going to do. There's been some, again, some interesting lab work that shows that, like, you know, when they get shown plays of what their teammates are doing, they can, again, again essentially predict what their teammates are, are doing better than someone who isn't their teammates. So they, they have this chemistry, which means they're in flow and that they understand and, and, and can work together with others, which elevates everybody's performance better. I think what we see in teams with high high chemistry and again this it's this kind of indefinable kind of experience which makes it a little bit nebulous but that's psychology for you um what you see is teams with high high chemistry is their overall team performance is often elevate elevated above the uh the pieces or the individual talent or their parts yeah it's like the whole two plus two equals five thing yeah. And um, this is often something that comes up outside of sports, too, where you get people in more traditional organizations and teams that have just an all star performer that is also an asshole. And, you know, the perennial question is, what do I do if the all star performer of it's an asshole? And I think what we're suggesting is you either help that person not become an asshole or you probably work that person out and replace that person. Because over the long haul, generally speaking, the benefit of that additional talent factor that comes from chemistry almost always outweighs the performance of any single player. Yeah. You know, and this is something that we've written about, you've written about a lot, is that our good vibes are contagious, and so are bad ones. So there's that fascinating study that showed that in the workplace, if you work, you know, near a poor poor performer, your performance drops about 25%, if I'm remembering it correctly. And the same thing holds in sport, the same thing holds in, um, in, uh, in, in life as well. And it's not just poor, poor performance, it's the attitude around it the you know emotion around it the ability around it all of those good things and i can tell you and and working in a team sport for a long time <laughs> you often think like oh the talent the talent is all that matters like this person's super talented we can't let them go but when it inevitably happens is if their chemistry isn't there they've got the very bad attitude they etc it makes it drags the team down and you're much better off you know going for chemistry with maybe a little less talent than you know shifting your entire uh team just to keep the talented person satisfied yep all right so that's our first big takeaway is that there is individual talent and that there's talent that are like extra talent points that come from solid chemistry. I think the second big point that we wanted to discuss today 
is this notion of how great teams, the members are all dependent upon one another in some way. So they are greater than the sum of the parts because of that dependency. And yet also they have individuals that when needed can go full on independent mode and completely take over. Yeah, I call this the ability to flip the switch. And the the key here is it's the switch to flip. Where often things go wrong is you have the um the independent is almost like takes over all the time, right? And there that switch is always left on. And that is often a recipe for a little bit of a disaster because what happens there is like you have one star and your team isn't coalesced. They're not dependent on each other, etc. And you have like this resentment or this deferring to somebody else. So when the they need the rest of the teammates, they're not there to step up, right? To use another analogy, if we look at the teaching or the working world, our tendency is often to play to the stars and then like neglect or micromanage everybody else. And if you look at, again, the, the research and the experience, when we micromanage people to death, what happens is we take away their autonomy and we take away their ability to kind of perform under pressure because they're never put in that position where they need to be. So I think it's important, A, as you said, to have that dependence where it's like we need everybody, everybody has a role, etc. But then in the key moments that matter, have our egos be just quiet enough where if we need to, we can step back and someone else can step forward. And I think this is what you see with the really good teams is they're excellent teams <coughs> on the day-to-day But in those moments where someone needs to step up, where someone needs to take control, they have somebody. Steph Curry can fill those roles, right? Tatum can fill those roles for the Celtics. But they're not dependent every night on someone filling that role. And as someone, for example, who was a Houston Rockets fan for, or is a Houston Rockets fan, for a long time... We had James Harden, phenomenal player. And he was often put in that role to be this step up and be dependent. The team was dependent on him for the entirety of the team's success. And every year, Harden would step up for the Rockets. And he would go through these these streaks of scoring 30 points or more game after game after game after game after game. But when it came to the playoff and the competition became a little more fierce and the pressure became a little bit higher and all that good stuff, what inevitably happened is, <coughs> you know, Harden hit a moment where he needed other teammates, where he needed that, that functional dependence. And I think that's the balance you're looking at is you need dependence of everybody is needed while at the same time being able to flip that switch and turn it on and off, where it's, yes, the star can step up, 
But if you need that star to do it every time over time, it's going to backfire. And I think this is what separates <laughs> the kind of um, superstar team from uh, a team that's dependent, but can, in your words, flip the switch is that that superstar team, it's kind of just contingent on all these guys or gals being able to take over, whether it's in an NBA setting or just in the workplace. And that's just not sustainable. And it also leads to egomaniacs. So there's kind of two ways to get an egomaniac. One is you get them from the start. The other is that they become that way because the weight of the organization or the team is on their shoulders all the time, which then leads to an inflated ego. So even when you bring in people that can help them, they struggle to accept that help. Um, so I do think that it's really about trying to build these teams that are fully dependent on each other, as you said, but that also have certain individuals that if and when necessary can take over. And I think a big sign of a problem is if you're relying on someone to take over too much. Um, I once had a coach a long time ago that said that parts are parts, meaning someone goes down, someone gets injured, someone's sick, you just put in the next part. And this coach was um, not the most emotionally intelligent person. And I think a parts are parts mindset can also get you to burn out a lot of people if you don't see them as individuals. But I think the underlying point around you want to have a machine as a team that can function without any given part because you just slide in the next one. I think that's a pretty good thing to strive for. Yeah, it's definitely the balance. And that's the balance of creating good teams that makes it really difficult is you have to play this both sides of like independence and dependence like we talked about. And that can be very difficult without, as you said, egos getting in the way or what have you. All right. Well, I think that that probably does it for this week. Um, I think that those are really two important points. We could go all MBA, but I don't think that's why people tune into the Growth EQ podcast. There are plenty of better all MBA podcast out there than uh, than ours. But um, we try to bring you the interesting angle that can affect sustainable performance and excellence in your own life. And today, we hope that you take away these two main points, which is that there is a chemistry factor that can have its own talent effect in and of itself. And that there's this non-dual uh, quality that great teams have, which is the individuals on those teams are all dependent on each other. And you want to coach toward that or manage or lead toward that. But you also want to have individuals that when needed can flip the switch, can go full on independent and take over. And a big problem is if someone's having to do that too often. Uh, am I missing anything in that summary, Steve? No, I think you nailed it. All right, everyone. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this week's show. We hope that you got something actionable that you can take away or at the very least some brain candy for your next cocktail party. If, if those are still a thing, I wouldn't know. Um, and uh, we'll catch you next week. So until then, be well. Uh, the part of me that lived in the Bay Area for almost a decade is rooting for the Warriors. And um, we'll see what happens. So we'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.